Welcome back, Nets fans. The regular season is over here. Game just finished off on Sunday. Cam Thomas almost gave us 50. I think he finished with 46, and the Sixers went all out to just not let him score at all in the fourth quarter. So he came up a bit short there, but still a great performance overall. For the rest of the team, not so much. We saw some guys, I think, play their first games. I think Raekwon Gray played his first game, and the game had some entertaining moments. David Duke Jr. had some cool moments. That reverse layup was very nice, but for the most part, wasn't really worth watching. But anyway, the Nets, of course, will play the Sixers. We knew about this a couple nights ago. I have not made the video yet, but here we are. So Nets, Sixers, six versus three. Of course, Philly is going to be favored to win this series. And, you know, off the top, I will say I do think the Sixers are going to win this thing, but I am not going to count the Nets out completely. Um, there are things that can go the Nets way where this could go bad for Philly and hopefully the Nets can take advantage. And of course, you know, I've said before, if you get a bad version of James Harden in the playoffs, you never know. If Joel Embiid goes down, you never know. That's a completely different team at that point. Uh, if you attack the right guys on defense like Tyrese Maxey and the Nets actually, you know, plan right for these games and actually attack the right guys, there is a chance. I just want to see them be competitive, have a good game plan. If they lose because of poor execution, so be it. It was supposed to happen anyway. But I at least want to see this team come out, prepare every game, have a good plan, and make every game competitive. So hopefully that's the case. But anyway, hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like, always helps out. And let's get into it. So let's go over this series and kind of preview it. And we'll talk about the important parts um, obviously for the Nets is stopping Joel Embiid, who it seems like is going to win the MVP this year, and I think it's pretty much well-deserved. I mean, I don't know where that team would be without him, and I do not think they'd be the three seed, I'll tell you that. So, um, how do you stop Joel Embiid? I mean, the last time the Nets played Embiid, which was the game, I think it was the first game that, um, like everybody was together. That was including the Suns guys from the trade and the Mavericks guys from the trade. The Nets lost at the buzzer, basically, because, uh, Dinwiddie got the shot off just late. But in that game, Joel Embiid had 37 points and 13 rebounds. So obviously with that kind of stat line, you know, you can't have that. Now, of course, he's going to have some points. He's going to get his way. He's just that good. But I think the Nets have to do what they can to get the ball out of his hands. Even in that game, James Harden had 29. And the only other guy in double figures was Tyrese Maxey with 12. So the Nets, in my opinion, should do what they can to get the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands. And I think, you know, when he's in the post, I'm completely fine if they double-team him. If a guy like Tobias Harris or Tyrese Maxey or James Harden or whoever, uh, P.J. Tucker, is making threes to beat you, then, like, okay, you know, so be it. But I don't think you want to put, um, you know, Nick Claxton one-on-one with Joel Embiid the entire game same if you know Dayron Sharp is in there or, or even like a Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal if they go small which they like to do sometimes um, that's probably not going to work I think the best way to go about this is you double Embiid when he's in a favorable situation on the floor if he's on the top of the key then okay like you can leave him one-on-one -on -one. but if he's towards that like right block left block or somewhere like that Probably best to double him, get the ball out of his hands, and make sure your rotations are quick and get to the shooters before they get a good look. So that's probably the best way to go about it, but um, Joel Embiid has always been a Nets killer, it feels like. Um, P.J. Tucker, of course, I mean, he's going to make his open threes, of course. It's going to happen from the corner, but 
you just have to focus on contesting his shots. He's not much of a scorer, obviously. He's there for other reasons. He might be there to guard a guy like a Mikael Bridges. We'll see what happens on the defensive end there for Philly. Um, you know, even a guy like Tobias Harris, he can have his games where he drops 20, 20 plus. So, you know, he's a guy that can definitely come out and put up some points. But not the main worry on this team. And of course, Tyrese Maxey, he's a guy who's kind of like a microwave scorer when he's on, you know, on fire. And, um, you know, that's a guy, if he has it going, he's tough to stay in front of. He's very shifty, he can get to the rim, he has a good jump shot. So that's tough to stay in front of. But the Nets at least have some defenders that are versatile. We know Nick Claxton is a very good um, perimeter defender. So that's going to help out a lot on switches. Um, and then, of course, James Harden. You have James Harden, who at this point in his career does not really have the same explosiveness that he once did in, in Houston and even his first year in Brooklyn. But James Harden now is very good at, you know, understanding angles, using his strength, using his body, of course, using screens to get by guys, getting his, you know, shoulder in front of them and getting to that left hand, making layups and making good passes. James Harden's still a very good player, but he is not the same guy he was a few years ago, but a very smart player who's going to make the right passes. Um, last time we saw them play, Mikel Bridges had a lot of the responsibility of being on James Harden, and I kind of expect that once again. Harden likes to make those quick passes, and if you put a guy with very long arms on him like a uh, Mikel Bridges, that might be the right move. So I do want to see that type of matchup. But of course, once again, Joel Embiid is the main concern for this Nets team. I mean, the Sixers bench doesn't scare me too much. You know, DeAnthony Melton, uh, George's Niang, who I feel like has just been a, a pain in the ass for the Nets lately, but still, Shake Milton, Paul Reed. Um, you know, it's not too scary. I think the Nets honestly may have more depth at this point, but of course, when you talk about who are the top stars in this game, um, Philly has the top two guys probably in Joel Embiid, uh, definitely, and James Harden. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for the Sixers side. You look at the Nets, and of course, you know, we're going to have some questions about this team is, you know, which version of Spencer Dinwiddie are you going to get? Are you going to get the Spencer Dinwiddie who is going to let the refs get in his head and just be inefficient as a scorer, a guy who doesn't know when to distribute the ball, when to shoot the ball, because when Spencer's right, he's been very good for this Nets team. Like when he knows a good balance of distributing and shooting the ball, um, he's been very good. So if he is the like assist first type point guard, I think that's the right recipe for success in this series for them. So if they get the good version of Spencer Dinwiddie, I like our chances a lot more. So hopefully he's, you know, pretty efficient in this series and um, can give us some high assist totals and slow the pace down when he needs to and run the offense. He's been good at that stuff. So Mikel Bridges, this will be his first series as the guy, and we'll see how that goes. Of course, he's been very impressive since being a Brooklyn Net. Um, I'm excited personally to see how he looks. I mean, playoff time, you know, it's <laughs> there's high stakes, of course. I want to see how Mikel Bridges looks in this type of spotlight. So does he sink or swim? I think he'll be fine. He may have an off game in one of these games, but I think for the most part, Mikel Bridges will be really good. So hopefully that's the case. Cam Johnson, guys like Cam Johnson, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, um, even Royce O'Neal, them shooting the ball is going to be a big thing. If those guys can make their threes, the Nets up their chances of making this a long series and possibly can win it. I mean, if you talk about Cam Tom or Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, and those guys, if they make their shots at like over a 40% clip from three, I mean, the Nets are a much, much better team at that point. And when they can't make their threes, 
that's when the Nets are terrible. That's when they are looking like a terrible team. Of course, it's a make-or-miss league. It's all about making your shots, but the Nets especially, since they don't have many shot creators, I mean, yes, they have Mikel Bridges, I guess Dinwiddie counts too, Cam Thomas, who doesn't play that much. Um, they have some guys that can create their own shots, but a lot of catch-and-shoot guys on this team, and when their shots are not falling... It gets ugly out there offensively. So guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, once again, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, um, Cam Johnson have to make their shots. And if they do, or if at least, you know, four of those guys are making their shots, the Nets will give themselves a much better chance. Um, Finney-Smith has been playing much better. That's been a positive for this team. I feel like he's been shooting the ball much better of late. I'll go look at his game log real quickly because I feel like he's had some games lately where the three-point shot has been looking very good. And when he came over to Brooklyn, um, it was not very good at first. But he had a four of six game from three, a one of two, a four of six, and a one of three. So, yeah, he's been better. Um, if he can bring that to this series, that would help out this Nets team a lot. Cam Johnson's been a little inconsistent since coming over here, but I think now he's getting more settled in and he's becoming a more consistent player. Um Joe Harris is a big one. Joe Harris, if you remember the last time the Nets were in the playoffs and Joe Harris played, he was out last year, of course, versus Boston. But in that Milwaukee series, I mean, I'll give Joe credit. In the Boston series in the first round, he was amazing, right? The Nets, the Nets won that in five games. But in that Milwaukee series, after um, Kyrie and James Harden went down, he was just nowhere to be found. And I think if Joe Harris actually showed up in that series, the Nets probably would have won and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But we know how much Joe Harris struggled in those games. But Joe, especially of late, has been a really good three-point shooter. He's had a three of six, a one of three, a six of nine. Um, he's had some really good games from downtown. On the season, he shot 42% from three. It's not the 46% he had last year or the 47% the year prior or the 47% back in the um, you know, the team with D'Angelo Russell and all those guys. But still, Joe Harris had a, uh, a pretty good year, I would say, for the most part. I mean, he had played in 74 games, which I talked about last podcast was pretty impressive considering he was coming off the you know, multiple surgeries on the same ankle. So that was good to see him come back and at least be, uh, you know, somewhat of his old, old self. He's kind of getting back to that. But in March, he shot 47% from three. In April, he shot 48% from three. So yeah, I mean, he's been much better from three-point range. Um, even in January, he shot 54% from three. Wow. But to start the year, Joe Harris, he was 36% in November, and then he was 33% in December. So if you take away those first two months, I think Joe Harris is probably shooting around what his averages it's like you know high 40 percent in terms of three-point shooting but we know about joe harris in the playoffs it was very ugly last time we saw it so if he can kind of get those playoff jitters away he could be a nice player for this series of course we have our questions about him defensively but joe harris hopefully can make his shots and be a useful player in this series now who's going to be like that eighth or ninth guy that the Nets will go to when they need some bodies. I mean, does Seth Curry, the former Sixer, does he get playing time? I would say maybe. I think he'll start off playing like I could see him playing in game one. You kind of get a feel for it and see how it goes, but it's no guarantee Seth Curry is going to play in every single game. I think it depends on what's going on. Another interesting one is Dayron Sharp. I don't know what Dayron's role is going to be. It seems like with the Nets, you know, moving on from Nerlens Noel, another former Sixer, and a guy like Moses Brown, um, 
we'll see like what his role is. I, I do think Dayron's going to play, of course, especially if Nick Claxton gets in foul trouble. And there might be a game or two where Dayron Sharp has a pretty big role because if Nick Claxton does happen to get a couple fouls in the first quarter, you're going to have to go to a guy like Dayron Sharp. The Nets don't have much center depth. I think we know that. So um, a guy like Dayron, it's going to be his first playoff action really I don't think he played in the playoffs last year at all so it's going to be his first time action and he's been much better lately I would say the past month he's been a much different player Dayron Sharp um, still has some deficiencies in his game obviously but he's been very good on the offensive boards he's been just getting he's a smarter player now he's going straight up on defense not you know getting as many fouls as he used to um, so hopefully he's fine out there guys like Cam Thomas Edmund Sumner I wonder if they'll play. I mean, I could see Cam Thomas getting in there if they really need some offensive help, but it's not a guarantee. Edmund Sumner, I don't know. They might put him in there for some defensive help. He's definitely quick on his feet and can stay in front of guys, at least get to the rim and put some pressure on guys and get them in foul trouble. Utah Watanabe. I don't know about him either. He definitely has the size. He's 6'8". He will definitely add some size out there. Um, if one of the forwards gets in trouble, you know, foul trouble like Mikhail or Cam Johnson or Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal um, or even an injury happens, then, yeah, you can put Utah Watanabe in there and he'll be okay. He has not been the same guy he was the first two months of the season, unfortunately, but, you know, he won't kill you out there. I'll tell you that. So, you know, of course, no Ben Simmons. That would have been great to see in this series, but unfortunately, we're not getting that. But still, I think the main things for the Nets in this series is how do they shoot the ball? That's the biggest one, of course, because when the Nets make their threes, they are a different team. Very good. Um, and then, of course, stopping Joel Embiid on defense. What is the plan to stop Joel Embiid? I, I don't think letting him be on an island one-on-one -on -one against Claxton is as good as a defender Nick Claxton is. I mean, there is a massive weight difference between Claxton and Joel Embiid. So I do think Claxton can hold his own at some moments versus Embiid, but I would say for an entire game, especially including the foul trouble he may get in, it's not worth it. I would try and get the ball out of the uh, potential MVP's hands and make somebody else beat you. And if that leads to a P.J. Tucker corner three, then once again, so be it. Make him make those shots. Don't let the guy who is clearly the best player on the floor completely, you know, destroy you. So hopefully MB does not go off too much. I'm excited to see this Mikael Bridges versus James Harden defensive matchup. And the whole James Harden thing, it makes the series more interesting, especially if Ben Simmons was playing once again. But it'd be really funny if the Nets can, you know, send James Harden home after you know, a year and a half ago requesting a trade from the Nets. And, you know, I think if they were to lose in the first round, that'd probably be the end of James Harden in Philly. I don't know how you go back to that. I mean, maybe he does, but there's been a lot of rumors about him going back to Houston. I would love to see that because I think it'd be hilarious. So, um, you know, we had to suffer. Hopefully Philly fans have to suffer too with that. But anyway, we're going to see what happens there. But if you go back to that game, once again, on February 11th, the Nets should have won that game. I know there was that bad call at the end of that game. Um, Dinwiddie missed that, you know, shot by 0.2 seconds or whatever. Mikhail missed a pretty easy layup at the end to take the lead. So I know it was a home game for the Nets, but they probably should have won that game. So 
you know, if I had to guess once again what the series is going to be, I'm still expecting like Sixers and five or six, right? But if the Nets do make their shots, if something goes in their favor, um, I could see the Nets pulling this out. It's not impossible. I don't think they'll get swept like last year. I hope that's not the case. I don't want to deal with that again because I think the Nets have been swept two times in the past three years, if you include the bubble. So I don't want to see that. But um, I think this should be competitive. But, of course, Philly has the guys that get to the line. They have one of the best offensive ratings in the league. I think they're, like, top. I think they're the seventh best in defensive rating. So, you know, Philly's a good team. I mean, they don't get a lot of credit because I think people realize they don't have a championship ceiling. Um, of course, Boston and uh, Milwaukee are the real title contenders in the East. But... Philly's on that next tier, in my opinion. So, you know, I'd much rather play Philly than a team like Boston or Milwaukee. I think if we played those two, we probably would get swept, maybe. But um, at least with Philly, I think there is more of a chance here, and they have a history of coming up short in the playoffs. I think Joel Embiid has never never been past the second round in his career. So um, the Nets have that going for them, and hopefully this is an off series for them, and they can find a way to pull this thing out. So, yeah, that'll pretty much do it. Um, I was thinking about doing, like, the entire regular season review in this video but I think I'll just wait till the year's over we did this last year and of course last year's episode was crazy because of all the things that happened last year between uh the mandate the Harden trade getting swept in the playoffs that was a very interesting video but I, I think I'll do the same thing as last year I'll wait till the year's over and then we'll do a season in review and it's gonna be crazy because the Nets were once again, throughout a very crazy season with the entire blowing up the team, basically, you know, you had, um, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving traded in in the same like week, basically. Um, Steve Nash fired within five games or six games, whatever it was. It looked like Ime Udoko was going to coach his team for about a week, and that fell through. Um, and just a lot of crazy things happened this year. So, you know, getting Spencer Dinwiddie back and all those type of things, it was a very odd year for the Nets, so I'm excited for that video. But hopefully it comes a lot later because I would like the season to stay going and I want to make it to the second round, hopefully. But once again, things will have to happen. Things will have to go in the, in the Nets' favor, but hopefully it does happen. But hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave in the comments what do you think the outcome of this series will be. And I'll talk to you guys next time.